gospel. I think this was the first Sunday in two or three Sundays that we haven't had a baby born in the middle of the night, unless you know of one that was born. We got some ladies that are still carrying babies. Please hold on to them as long as you need to before that time is ready to, to come. But we're excited. So if, you, if you've had a, a new baby just in the last, let's say, month, just, just, wave, just raise your hand. We don't make you hold it. And everybody just say, ah, ah, bless you. Because then there's, there's the newest ones right over here. John Maverick is our, our newest member of the church. And like I said, you have to be on your toes if you want to keep that, keep that title around here. Well, we're excited that you're, you're here this morning. Hopefully you were here last week. Last week was an incredible, incredible day. Thank goodness the weather last week was the way it was. And it's not this week because it's definitely a whole different story. If you are new, welcome to the Calling Community Church. We do encourage you to fill out the, the card. Matter of fact, if you're here this morning, you've, you've never filled out that information card that has your name and address and information out. We'd love for you to do that. Just leave it in the offering basket on the way out today. It is a very helpful tool. We do have the books. The books are passing. That is also helpful as well. So just sign in, and that way we have a record of you, you being here. It's not, a, it's not anything legal. We just want to know who is here so that we can follow up with you. We're excited that you chose to come here today because the weather is not perfect outside. It's probably one of those days where it might have been a little easier just to stay and curled up in bed listening to the rain fall, but we're glad that you decided to get up and be with us this morning. So here's the deal. I'm just going to just lay this out here right now. There, right behind this curtain is something that looks a, lot, a little bit like a casket. And uh, don't let that scare you because no one's dying today. Well, maybe you're going to die to yourself today and raise it to a new life. That would be awesome. But there is water in this, and it's a, bap- it's a baptism, a baptismal or whatever you want to call it, baptistry, portable one. We've never baptized anybody during a service at the Calling Community Church. The only time we've ever baptized was after a, uh, a service in, on August 17th, and we did it at a pool. And so I'm laying out this challenge for you this morning. If you're here today and you say, I've never been buried to the old way of life and raised to walk in a new life. If that's you this morning, then this day is for you. Now, I'm not gonna, we're not going to force anybody to get into the water. And we'll just take all the water out and put it away and try it again some other day. But I want you to know, if you're here this morning, you say, you know, I didn't really come prepared. That's okay. We've got shorts, t-shirts, and some towels. And if you want to get baptized today, and God puts that on your heart, be obedient to that. Now, be obedient to me. Be obedient to what God's doing in your heart this morning. And we'll do that at the end of the, end of the service. So, so that's your, I want you to process that, challenge you with that. And so let's pray as we get started. So God, we thank you for the opportunity just to be in this place. Thank you that the community that we live in offers us the space. And I praise you, Lord, for each individual life that is here today because you knit them together in their mother's womb. They were a tiny little newborn baby at one point. And God, and here we are. And they're here for a purpose. We all are here for a purpose today. For one is to just to worship you through music and through song and, and then to hear your word. God, I pray that you would comfort us through your word today, but also pray you'd challenge us a little bit. Pray you'd challenge me today to live out what it is that you are calling us to live out. God, I praise you for every story that's in this room. God, that you would continue to, to write uh, their story and that you would be at the center of it all. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. So, so last week, we, we, the death and resurrection of Jesus, he is risen, he is alive, and now the question is, is now what? Now what? what what's next? What happens next? And in Scripture, for the next 40 days, Jesus spends time with his disciples. He's with them. He's teaching them. He's inspiring them. He's comforting them. When he comes around them, he usually just shows up kind of unannounced and tells them, peace be with you. That's a good word for us today when we go through trials in our own life. Jesus speaking peace into our life. He's proving and convincing. He's proving and convincing them that he is alive, that he's not dead any longer, that he is for truly alive. Now, there, there has been some, some uh, theories or discussion or uh, dialogue throughout the centuries that maybe Jesus really didn't come back to life in the flesh, that he was only just a vision, that he was only like a ghost, but he never, well, he wasn't fully human again when he came back to life. But listen, listen to what, uh, listen to this, um, this thought. He ate with them, it says in scripture, and they touched him. It wasn't no accident he ate, he ate with them so that he could see that I am, I am physic, I'm back in physical form. He ate with them and he touched, and they touched him. And John, it says, they were blessed because of their belief in the resurrection. They got to see him, but then it says in scripture, but blessed are those who have not seen him yet have believed. And that's everyone from that day until right now. That's you and that's me. We, we weren't there. We didn't get to touch him. But yet we hear of the testimony and we see it in Scripture. And the Bible says you're blessed if you have not seen him, but yet you believe. He was restoring. How about Peter's story in the end of John where Peter was the, the disciple who had denied knowing who Jesus was three times when Jesus was going through uh, through his trials, and, and, uh, and Peter denied knowing him. Peter's story, let's just, I'll just be honest with you, Peter's story is my story. Peter's story might be your story. Because we've all sinned. We all fall short of, of what God has for us, his best for us. We all fall short of his glory. One way or another, we have denied knowing Jesus with our words or with our actions, or both. But yet, here's the incredible thing. That day when Jesus restored Peter, Jesus is on the bank of the sea, and they're out fishing, and Jesus calls them. He tells them to put their nets on the other side. They catch an incredible amount of fish. And then when Peter realizes it's Jesus, He jumps into the water and he swims to Jesus. You would think that maybe Peter would not want to get out of the boat <laughs> this time. That maybe Peter would have said, oh man, there's Jesus. Oh no. Man, I, was, I, I dreaded this day like when we were going to have to come in contact with each other. This is really uncomfortable. All of us can uh, resonate with that, right? Maybe you're a young person and you've you just got busted. You know you're in trouble and, and you're going to have to con be confronted by your parents. You're going to have to look at them in the eye. Haley, I'm, I'm not looking at you for any particular reason. I'm just, you know. <laughs> and you're like, oh no, here comes my parent or my dad's home. Oh, this is not going to go good. Anybody ever heard that when you were younger? Just wait till your dad gets home. Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah, maybe now it's more like, just wait till your mother gets home. That's what, that's what I would say. You're in trouble. But, but Jesus 
lavishes his love and grace upon Peter. He challenges him a little bit, but he lavishes his love and grace upon him. He challenges Peter to receive this calling that he has for his life. He doesn't condemn him. He doesn't point his finger in his face and say, what were you thinking? Three times you didn't even act like you knew who I was. Instead, Jesus calls Peter out and challenges him. And he does the same thing for us. Even in the midst of our weakest moments, God's calling us always, calling us out, challenging us. And I love, in the end of that story, Peter was like, well, what about him? What about his calling? What about what he's doing? He's talking about, he's talking about the disciple John. And, and, and I love what Jesus says. He says, don't, don't worry about him. You do what I've called you to do. Isn't that a good word for us today when we think about all the people around us and we get consumed about what other people are doing, what they're accomplishing, what they're driving or what they, what they own or what they don't own or whatever. Like I even think about the musicians up on the stage. I love the fact that they all bring something unique to the table, don't they? Now, Morgan, Morgan could play a couple different instruments, but today she is playing the bass. That's her offering today. And Morgan shouldn't be worried about what the other guitar player is doing. As, well, she might be just to stay on time or whatever, but to say, you know what, I'm just going to offer up my gift today to the Lord. I don't know, can anybody else on the stage play the, play the um, cello? I know I can't. It's a beautiful gift, all right? And so we come and we offer up our gifts, and, and just, I guess it's just an encouragement to us to say, God has gifted me and wired me in a certain way, and I don't have to be like other pastors in Platte City. I don't. I just have to be the way he's called me to be. I have to be the one, he's, he's gifted me and called me in a certain way, and that's who I'm supposed to be. So does that make sense? Did you get that message? We're all, we all come different. Man, Zach has gifts that, that, that I don't have. Praise the Lord. And that we, we compliment one another. I go over to his house, he fixed my car, and I watch. It's awesome. I cheer him on. It's, it's amazing. One time I mowed his yard while he fixed my car because I couldn't fix my car, but I couldn't mow a yard. So anyway. But we all have something unique we bring to the table, right? And we cannot forget that because you might be tempted to think, well, I don't, I don't really, I'm really not that special. I'm really not even, I don't even feel welcome here because I got some stuff in my life that they really knew. Hey, you know what? God really knows and he loves you just the way you are. And you'll be surprised as your pastor, I really want to know too. Not so that I can have some dirt on you, just so that I can know how to love you even more and pray for you more specifically. I love how Jesus knew what was in Peter's heart and he loved him anyway. So Jesus was not only restoring, comforting, proving, convincing, but he was commissioning them. Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20, I'm gonna read it from the the message version of the Bible because I love the way this reads. Listen to these words, Matthew 28. Meanwhile... It says, meanwhile, because, because as this was going on, the chief priest and the elders at that particular time were paying off the guards that were at the tomb the, the day Jesus was resurrected, and they were telling them to concoct this story that they just say, here's the deal, we're going to give you some money, just say that the disciples came and took the body. And it says that that was the story that was, was passed on from that moment on. Like, let's just sweep this under the rug. Let's just say that the, he didn't really rise again, even though the guards were like, yo, dude, <laughs> this, this is something different about this whole deal. Like, I've never seen this before. But yet they get paid off. And it says, meanwhile, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him. Some, though, And I love this this thought. Some, though, 
held back, not sure about worship, not sure about risking themselves totally. We walk in to moments like this with a little bit of hesitancy, right? I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know if I can fully enter in. You may be even thinking, man, I know I need to get baptized, but man, I don't know. Dude, I don't know. But they were afraid, some of them not willing to risk themselves totally, which I think is pretty ironic to me because Jesus was willing to give himself completely, and that is the same challenge he gives you and me. And I know it's hard in the dailiness of it all. Like, it's easy. It's easy right now. It's easy right now. Monday gets a little harder. Tuesday maybe a little bit more because we're a little bit further away from Sunday. You see what I'm saying? I have a lot of conversations with people and they, man, I want to to come, I want to get disconnected, I want to stay, I want to just, I want to get involved in the church and really just stay plugged in and and I'm like, man, I feel you, I'm glad I have to be here every Sunday. I really am. As a man, I know my tendencies, I'm just glad I have to be here and I have responsibilities. And you're like, well, Brady, not everybody can be the pastor. But you know what? Let me just tell you something, just to be completely honest with you right now. Every single one of you have something to bring to the table. And when you don't come, it's not at the table. Right? If it was a big potluck of gifts and love and, and, and fellowship, if you don't come, there's a, that, your, space, your space is empty. We don't, get the re, we don't get to eat of what you bring. So we miss out. And I'll just, and you know it's true, you miss out too. Because you don't get to experience, it's like a, a scripture we're talking about like a love feast. Like we're all together just loving each other and encouraging each other. We're having those moments like, man, it's so good to see you. You encourage me when I see you. But if you don't come, we miss that. And so I, like I said, I'm glad I have to be here every week. Even if I didn't have to be here. I've been in church every day since 1993 almost unless I had to work or I was sick. Okay, that's not a guilt trip. Don't take that as a guilt trip, all right? You hear what I'm saying? That's an encouragement. It's just a, it's an encouragement to you. But some were afraid, and they were, they were just, they didn't want to risk themselves totally. Maybe still wondering what was going to happen. There was still a lot of unrest going on, because, man, Jesus just came, he's back from the dead. You know, this is not going to look good when we, people find out about this. It's, maybe they're going to still come and try to kill us. And it didn't get, it wasn't, it wasn't easy after that because it got hard and the disciples went through some persecution. Jesus, undeterred, said, went right ahead and gave this charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you, he tells them. Go out, train everyone that you meet, far and near. Train them in this way of life. Marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he was telling them to go out and baptize. That's what's next. Go out and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you, and I will be with you as you do this day after day right up to the end of the age. You won't have to do this alone. I'm going to be there with you. It was believed that it was, it was right after this that he appeared to over 500 different brothers and sisters in the faith and taught them and encouraged them. 500 different witnesses of the resurrection. Some of you are in police work. How many witnesses does it take to collaborate a story to to make it at least 
be plausible and true? Is it more than one, right? If it's just one, you have their story. But if you got two or three people, maybe more than that, 500 people telling the same story, there must be some truth to it. But the deal is, is back then, the reason why those theories are there, whatever, trying to, trying to, to calm that story, because we don't want a lot of people going around saying Jesus is alive because he was a man of his word, and he said he did exactly what he said he was going to do. What about Barabbas in this story? Anybody know who Barabbas is? We read about him last week. Barabbas was the one that during Jesus' trial with, with the governor, uh, they released Barabbas, who was guilty of, of a crime, murder, insurrection. They released Barabbas, and they kept Jesus. Is it possible we don't know this, but was it possible that Barabbas was somewhere in the crowd in that, this 40 days that Jesus was teaching and convincing and restoring? And you think maybe Barabbas was in the crowd of 500? I'm just speculating. I don't know. I don't know for sure because we don't hear about Barabbas after this. But what if Barabbas was like in the crowd, kind of in the shadows, listening to Jesus? What do you think was going through Barabbas' mind if he was there? Have you ever thought about that? He's never mentioned again. But at the end of the Gospel of John, it says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have been written. So it's possible that Barabbas was in the rest of the story. I want you to leave room in your heart for Barabbas. Okay? Because Barabbas is the worst of the worst. He's the person that's so far away from God you would think there's no way you would ever see a guy like Barabbas in church. I remember telling some people that I used to go to school with, you know, like the 10-year reunion at high school, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm in ministry now. Like, I just started, I'm a pastor now. What? what? You're a what? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a pastor. Dude, I remember you in high school. Yeah, that was 10 years ago, though. A lot changes in 10 years, you know. A lot changes in 10 years. That was in 1998 when it was 10 years ago. It's a lot longer now. <laughs> I was, it's not that I was the worst of the worst, but I definitely wasn't the best of the best either. So leave room in the story for Barabbas. And here's the, here's the deal, though. Leave room in this story for you. There's room in the story for you. He was blessing them. He was, he was getting ready to ascend into heaven. He says, I'm going to go prepare a place, and if I, if I go, I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself, he says. And Jesus promises them that the Holy Spirit will clothe them in power because they weren't going to be able to do what he's calling them to do on their own. And the, the good news is, is he didn't have to do it on his own. The good news is, is you don't have to live this story out on your own either. Okay, turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And let's start, um, let's start on the, on verse 13. Luke 24, verse 13. Still thinking about, okay, what's next? What's happening at that particular time? What's next for us? I'm going to read this, this it's a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture, but I think it's important just to hear these words. 
Okay, and this was the same day that Jesus had rose again. All the events of the day had, had taken place. And two of the disciples, two of his followers, were going back home. They were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking with each other, talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still with their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Like, where have you been? Have you been under a rock? I mean, what is the deal? I've been under a rock. Yeah, isn't that funny? I just, just came up to my mind. He wasn't under a rock. He was behind a rock. It says, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we have hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. You know, there's theories that they didn't find his body because they went to the wrong tomb. They mistakenly went to the wrong address. That Jesus' body is still in a tomb somewhere. They just went to the wrong empty tomb. That's a, the missing body theory. There's an, also a theory called the swoon theory that Jesus wasn't really dead, but that he was refreshed in the cool of the tomb and he came back. He wasn't fully dead. He came, he revived himself, pushed the stone away, fought off the guards and disappeared into the, into the desert. That seems plausible, right? Yes, makes sense to me. He maybe wandered off and then died somewhere out, out there in the desert. Another one was the one I was speaking about earlier was the vision theory. Like he wasn't really, he didn't really rise again in bodily form. It was just them having visions. Maybe all the stress of that particular occurrence. They saw him crucified. They heard about it. And this, all the stress, this caused them to think they saw something. They came and told us, the ladies came and told us, this is in verse 23. They came and told us what they had seen, a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Then some of the companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Now this would have been an awesome teaching session. And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That would have been amazing to hear this teaching from Jesus himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he's at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and then he disappeared from their sight. That's a little spooky. I'm wondering what that was all about. It says, they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked? he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Then they got up and returned once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, 
the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two had told him what had happened and how Jesus was recognized them by they were, while they were breaking bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they had saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do you doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them a really serious, deep theological question that could just change your life. Do you have anything to eat? <laughs> Something simple. Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I have told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures, and he told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, that is the, the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then it says, when he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. So they were given this commission to go. And, good, and it's a good thing that they were listening, and it's a good thing that they went, because that truth that was starting, started that day has got to you and me today. I, I want you to think about that. Consider the rippling effect of that. How did it get to you? Where did you first hear about this Jesus and about his resurrection and about the story that they were given to tell. For me, the message came to me via my great-grandparents who raised my mom's mom in church, who in turn raised my mom in church, and then she passed it down to me. And now it's my responsibility to share it with my own children, right? The greatest gift I can give Emma and Eliza and Bailey and Paul and Yesenia is the gift of who Jesus is and the truth about his death and his resurrection and about the meaning and purpose you can have in life through him. That's it. It's true. That's it. If I give them everything else the world can afford, they have nothing if they don't have Jesus. And I want you to be challenged by that, especially dads. Be challenged by that today. That's the greatest gift you can give your kids is the truth of who Jesus is. And the best thing that you can do is not only tell them about it, but live it out in front of them, which is the real hard work. It's easy to talk about it. So I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you today to think about this thought. Who is in your oikos? Okay, it's a fun word to say. Now I'm not talking about your Greek yogurt, all right? There is a Greek yogurt called oikos, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about who is in your household. And not just that, but who, is, who are the people around you that God has placed in your life? I want you to consider that right now. I want you to think. It might be the people you're sitting around right now. It might be the people that you invited to come to church. It might be the people that you are, if you've encouraged and you've invited and you're continuing to try to share your faith with them, be an example of them, to love them in real and practical ways. Who are the people 
in your life. It's a, here's a broader sense. It's, it encompasses your family, neighbors, coworkers, friends, those with whom you come in regular contact with. Maybe eight to 15 people. Maybe your neighbors, your local barista, your grocery store clerk, parents on your kids' sports team. And that's a great mission field right there because you're with them all the time. Your hairdresser, my hairdresser. It's a lonely conversation. Professor, physical therapist, your roommate, business association, maybe your mechanic, someone that you spend a lot of time with because your car is breaking down all the time. Zach's my mechanic, and he already knows Jesus, so I don't have to worry about that. Waiter at your favorite restaurant. Do you know there was a girl that uh, we'd go into Chili's on a regular basis, not just because the food was good, but because there was a young lady from Romania, and I thought, if I can continue to build this rapport with her and this conversation, we could, I could cross they crossed that bridge eventually with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Guess what? She was the photographer at the wedding that I did yesterday. Oh my gosh, oh, it's you. You're my favorite customer. She came running and she hugged me. And I'm thinking, man, what an incredible opportunity because she's getting ready to hear me talk about Jesus at this wedding. Now, does she fall on her knees and give her life to Jesus right there? No. But maybe it was just one more contact that kind of has nudged her along. Really, when you think about this, you think about this message of the good news of Jesus Christ. It has been the nature of the nudge from that time on. It's just nudging people closer and closer to Jesus. So I didn't get out my Bible and set her down and make her read all the scripture or whatever, but I was kind and compassionate and encouraging and, and open, kept the door open, right? So that maybe there's gonna be a time when she needs somebody when, when the storms of life come, and maybe, just maybe, she'll reach out to me. And it happens. It works. It happens all the time. The question is, is are you open to that? Are you open to that? Are you open to when the opportunity comes, sharing this news about the resurrection of Jesus? Because he told, he told the disciples, it said, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all nations, beginning right here. And it has happened, and it continues to happen, and it's going to continue to happen until the day Jesus comes back. And we have a responsibility to, to, to bring that same message to the people around us. And I get it. It's hard sometimes because it's uncomfortable. You don't know how to get into the conversation. We've talked about that several times. You know, here's a real practical way. Without, I, um, I was at Lifeway yesterday, and for $5, you can send a Bible to China where somebody in China will get a Bible in their language with the good news of Jesus Christ, $5. And so for every one of the people that are involved in our worship ministry and involved in, in uh, making this church happen, the, the church, we, we, I bought a Bible for every single one of those people, put their name on it, marked where, they, where they're from, and that Bible's gonna go with this bookmark in it, and someone in China is gonna get a Bible with the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you think someone might possibly come to know Jesus because of that? Yes, I believe it's true. I believe it can happen. I, I have faith that it'll happen. So that's just one practical way. Think about this, this, this moment. This, this, uh, there's a story in Mark chapter 5 where the guy gets set free from demons and Jesus tells him, go home to your own people, your oikos, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That's the simple message. You just go and say, hey, this is what Jesus has done for me. That's what I share with my friends when they say, man, you're in ministry? 
Well, yeah, let me tell you what happened to me. I was a mess. And I went through a divorce. And I thought, well, you know what? This way of life is not working for me. I better try something new. So I went to church. And that's where I met Jesus, really, for the first time. See, I had been baptized when I was 17 years old, but I had not been walking with Jesus at all. Maybe that's you this morning. You say, you know what? Yeah, I was baptized when I was younger. Why should I do it again? Maybe, maybe it's time to bury that life and start walking a new life. Maybe that's time. The what's next then is the same what's next right now for us. He's commissioned us. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been given this mission to share the good news with somebody in your life. And I challenge you to pray about that. God, who is it in my life that I can just share in a real loving, compassionate, you know, maybe the first step is like, hey, just come sit next to me at church. There's an open seat next to me. I'd love for you to sit here with me. Just come and listen. No pressure. Maybe it is is that you, they need a favor and they, you, there's a need they have and you can meet that need. Or you may, it may be too big of a need for you to meet individually, but you say, you know what, my church can probably help with this. Let us know so that we can meet that need so they can say, these Christian people really do love well. Because that's the thing right there. Jesus loved well and he wants us to love well too, right? So here's what we want to do. I want to just finish our time together. I think we'll do it this way. We'll have... The band, go ahead and come on up. And so the challenge is the same. Let's, uh, can we go ahead and open the curtain? Who knows how to do that? Zach knows how to do it. Somebody knows how to do it. I just work here. I don't know how to do it. Maybe, maybe for you today, it's like, you know what? There's some, I need to bury an old life. Or I've been walking with Jesus, but I've never been obedient to baptism. Because here's the deal. Your faith in Jesus is something personal that's inward. But, but baptism is an outward symbol. An outward symbol of what's going on inside of you. The water's warm. I know it's, a, it's asking a lot because this requires some true humility and it challenges you to get out of your comfort zone. But you know what? Maybe it's cliche-ish, but Jesus got way out of his comfort zone for you. He left heaven, the Bible says. He came to earth, took on the very nature of a servant, was willing to be obedient, be obedient unto death. Maybe he's calling you today to be obedient unto death, dying to an old way of life, Raising the walk. Now listen, here's the deal. This is, no one comes, that's fine. But I promised on Facebook, I promised all week long that we'd have water. And we expect at least there's one person that needs this, this, this new start in their life. And so if that's you, come. As we celebrate together, as we worship together, we'll just... I'll just be standing over here, and if that's you, come, and then we'll, we'll do it. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for the hearts and the lives of those that are listening today, whether they get baptized or not. God, I pray you challenge us. We've been commissioned to share this good news. 
And it's a good thing it was spread to us, and now it's got to spread from us to those around us. So challenge us today. In Jesus' name, amen.